Sometimes the best time to hit the market is at good enough. This could be your product or service development or the marketing campaign to promote your business. The important thing to consider is getting to market and gaining valuable real-world feedback. Welcome to the Business Buffet Podcast with Ed Bejarana and Phil Anderson. This is a conversation in and around business with a pinch here and a sprinkle there of anecdotal stories. Like most buffets, we too will offer the business staples. In addition, we'll offer up a smorgasbord of special business strategies too. Our Business Buffet podcast aims to give you the fundamental principles and strategies any successful business needs to know. We hope you're hungry as the Business Buffet is open and ready to serve. Now, here is Ed Bejarana and Phil Anderson. Welcome to another episode of the Business Buffet podcast. My name is Phil Anderson. And I'm Ed Bejarana. And we really appreciate uh, the fact that you have joined us uh, for today's podcast episode. And, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about business strategies and growing business. Today's topic is 70% is better than 0%. What exactly does that mean? We will go through that because it's actually a very interesting philosophy. But um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about uh, us and why we think that we can offer a valid business strategy opinion. Ed, you want to give a little background on your business experience? Sure, sure. You know, I started way back in Silicon Valley, right about the time that computer desktops were being invented. It was, it was one of those right place, right time kind of opportunities. I was a professional musician. I started at a very young age, but I was also interested in computers. Those new things were pretty fascinating. And I took up computer programming, and one thing led to another, and I I kind of met all of the greats, worked with them a little bit, cursory in the back, uh, doing some programming. And um, it kind of carried me into the business world from a standpoint of the big dollar investments. Working with IPOs as an engineer, uh, listening to the the stories and and the, the grandiose ideas that they had really gave me a perspective that I carried once I went into the corporate world after the Silicon Valley spell, I guess I would call it, uh, I went to work at Texas Instruments. I was a facilities engineer. I also taught uh, engineering technologies at Cabrillo College in Aptos, California. Uh, and then I went back to being a process engineer working at Samson Engineering. Um, the dot-com bubble burst was pretty brutal. And my wife and I had decided that once things were going to be completely gone, we would leave California. And two days after my final layoff at Samson, I was in Portland, Oregon, laying the groundwork. Went to work for a company as a project manager running the marketing events for Nike Asia Pacific Division. The company was Acme Scenic and Display. Fell in love with the trade show business. I took over as the director of the trade show department for Acme, and honestly, it was just the greatest job I had ever had. Uh, the problem that I saw on the horizon was the recession was coming. Now, the owners of the company didn't believe there was going to be a recession, but uh, with my degree, a minor in economics and financial accounting, I knew the recession was coming. You saw the indicators. Saw the indicators. That one was obvious. Can't give free money away in real estate. So I left that company and, and started my own business. Zenith Exhibits was formed. I started selling trade show displays to companies all over the country. And one thing led to another because I built my own website. 
a friend of mine one day asked, hey, can you help me out and build me a website? And that kind of started the web division for Zenith Exhibits, and uh, it, it really consumed my business. I, I look at trade shows as really the same thing as a website or vice versa. Google is just the world's largest expo hall. Uh, that's a little bit about me. What about you, Phil? Well, straight out of high school in 79, I went to work for a lumberyard, and it was a family-owned lumberyard in West Seattle. Did really well. And the owner of the lumberyard, Jim Sweeney, uh, got to know him pretty well. And we would talk about business ideas, and I would take departments and kind of resurrect them, the paint department, the fastener department, the door department, and uh, the cabinet department. I would resurrect them and, and kind of uh, create systems, which was nice because, you know, they had resources that I could pull from to, to build these systems. Then <coughs> a friend of mine uh, had did some after-hours cleaning for his mom's real estate company, and uh, when he went off to college, I decided to kind of take over. And I thought, well, this is kind of silly. Why don't I just create a company? So I created a cleaning company, White Glove Cleaning Services. We did uh, commercial offices. We did, that's right, well, see, this is, and now you can hear that. That's That was Ed's finger on the spit screen. Uh, now, where was I? Uh, yes, Sorry. White Glove Cleaning Services. Um, shiny bright object. Uh, did window cleaning, uh, commercial offices, and I actually left the lumberyard to build that business. From there, I uh, helped build a valet a company in Seattle with my cousin. Uh, I was the face of the company for 10 years, moved over here to North Idaho, created Anderson Social Media Solutions. Uh, that just rolls off your tongue. And uh, yeah, so my passion is actually helping small businesses uh, have their voice heard, grow their businesses, and I really do have a passion for business in general. So this does lead to the question, how many times have you had a project that you're pretty happy with but not completely happy with? Well, there was this little search engine that I have to, for contractual reasons, leave nameless. Uh, back in the early 90s that <laughs> we weren't Does it rhyme with Rugal? Um, no, 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 <laughs> no. Um, we had to go live. Uh, the IPO offering was coming out, and we weren't ready. But we had to go live. The, the due date was there. there. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. We had to do it. And we did the best we could. We rolled out the best possible product. And how did that turn out? Well, actually, it turned out pretty good. That was a multi-billion-dollar company, but um, uh, it was kind of rough in the beginning. So you rolled it out when it was not 100% buttoned down. Yep. And was there anything that happened when you had that rollout? Is there anything that happened that wouldn't have had it been 100% buttoned down? You know, actually, there there is some interesting points that we gain. Now, I, you know, I was a database guy. My task at that particular project was uh, storage and retrieval of the information. Uh, a lot of the errors that we had were on the front end, on the search side, that produced an interesting uh, variable, if you will, for uh, my team to handle on the back end. 
what it did was that it opened up the fact that um, normal people were going to be using the internet and they didn't think as logically as us computer types did so actually having something that went live that wasn't bulletproof uh, provided us valuable knowledge that we were able to then put back into the development of the product. This actually became a popular technique uh, some years later in the gaming industry where games are often released in beta, um, pre-released, uh, just for the testing, for the, for the data. In fact, I'm pretty sure just about all major software products now go out in a, in a beta or a pre-beta format just to get that uh, real-world feedback. Have you heard of the book, The Lean Startup? I have, I have. So that book actually talks a lot about that, uh, releasing something well ahead of the 100% mark and uh, learning from the mistakes that you made. And uh, I, I'll tell you what, I, I got in the, the beginning of that book and I just did not like it at all. It was so counter to my belief of trying to get something out as close to finished as possible. Um, what do you, so what do you think of that whole idea? Well, yeah, I mean, it's certainly not Six Sigma. I'm a black belt in Six Sigma that I, I gained while I was working at TI. So, you know, the idea is, is if everything's perfect going in from the raw material standpoint, you can reach that 99.999% quality factor. So it does go contrary to the basic belief of a Six Sigma black belt. However, what we're talking about when we're dealing with Six Sigma is safety issues. We're not talking about releasing something that, that's going to be dealing with safety before it's ready to be released. I'm talking about software for searching or a video game or something that's not life-threatening. If you can get valuable uh, real-life customer feedback, it, it's not possible to think up every conceivable variable or use for a particular product or service while we're designing it in our office. I think that's exactly what people are doing is they are trying to they are trying to foresee everything that could go wrong and that is where we come up with the 70% or 0% because if you are going to wait you might actually wait too long and the product uh, is no longer relevant and so by getting it out there uh, at least you're exposing it to some people. And then you look, if you've found some mistakes or whatever, and you work out the wrinkles and the kinks. So we talked about this ourselves with this podcast. We wanted it to be perfect. I don't think it will ever be perfect. No disrespect to you. I'm probably talking more about me. Yep, yep, obviously. Exactly. So uh, for us to try to be perfect, we would just never do it. Or we can just go out and, and stumble and skin our knees and get our hands dirty and, you know. Well, as we're talking to our customers, because I've heard you say the same thing, but I, I tell my customers, if we wait until the website is perfect to release it, we don't get any customer. We, we need to roll the product out and improve as we go. Good enough for market is a mantra or a mantra. We need to work to the point where we can get something on the street. I, I think small business people especially are, are paralyzed with the desire for perfection. Boy, that's a, I mean, it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And by the way, when you, uh, uh, like in your case, roll out a website, whether it's a grammatical error 
or a picture that didn't turn out just perfect and someone brings it to the attention of the business owner and they say, oh, wow, thank you for catching that. All of a sudden, you are a real person that is an authentic, that, that's an authentic, uh, you know, organic uh, conversation and engagement that has resulted in you changing, you know, fixing the mistake. And you've already established a form of a relationship with that person, regardless if they've bought anything from you or not. Well, and if you take that one step further, I, I, uh, I had an attorney. Language on a, an attorney's website is mission critical. You cannot release information that is incorrect for an attorney. So uh, I, was, I was chatting with them with regards to uh, some language that was prepared by a third party. And the attorney wanted it all double-checked ahead of time. And obviously, they need to read through it. But my goodness, punctuation? It's just impossible to capture all of the punctuation. And by the way, there's uh, there's multiple right answers sometimes. Sometimes there are. Yeah. Sometimes there are. So what I told them, it, it was more, uh, it was a motivating factor just to get them over the hurdle to get the stuff live. I said, let's do this. Let's buy ten, fifteen dollar Starbucks gift cards, and then we'll set them aside. And anybody who contacts you with an error, you say thank you. We have a Starbucks gift card I want to mail out to you. We did this on purpose because we knew how important language was, but it was going to be more likely that a, a, a customer or, or somebody visiting our website would find it. And they did that. And what they wound up getting was evangelists. Isn't that something? It, it, was, it was a truly amazing. I, I kind of pulled that one out of my rear because uh, this customer was truly paralyzed. We were six months just waiting for final copy editing the website was built it was beautiful it was ready to go and i'm sitting here saying we're not building any search engine visibility on the development server so the starbucks gift card was just kind of let's try this let's see if this will move them and i completely get an attorney their credibility is on the line so Absolutely. i i completely get that but that is a that is a perfect example of Putting something out that's less than 100% that has flaws, but you're going to um, actually, you got your evangelist out of it. And I have a story that's somewhat similar regarding uh, creating evangelists. Uh, I had a client who has a landscape nursery, nursery uh, business here in town, and they posted something on their Facebook page. Someone followed up with that and said, we don't shop there because you're too expensive. And they contacted me and said, I, I really want to take this down. I'm like, don't take it down. No, I really want to take this down. I said, you know what? They haven't uh, berated you. They haven't swore. They haven't called you names. They haven't done a lot of things that would warrant taking a post down the first time, you know, the first comment. I said, just let it rest for uh, 24 hours and then respond you know, we're sorry you feel that way. A lot of our customers don't agree with you. You know, we try to do our best to keep our prices down. In the next 24 hours, they probably had 10 of their customers come to their defense on that pricing. It was it was a thing of beauty. And talk about the evangelists. And, and you're right about small businesses want to be 100% perfect before they release anything. That's the control factor. It's also a, a fear factor, right? Well, and I have to tell client after client, you know, 
it's a story my dad taught me. Uh, I was kind of a problem child, as you might imagine. I think you're a problem adult. <laughs> my dad said, you know, Eddie Paul, you're not going to be measured on perfection because I, I really I wanted it to be perfect. But let's set the tone. I was a professional musician at the age of nine. I was perfect. I could sight-read anything. In my mind, I was an egomaniac. But I was one of the greatest marimba players, I thought. So to me, perfection was everything. But my daddy said, you're not going to be measured on perfection. We all make mistakes. He says, what's most important is how you react when you do make a mistake. And that's and that's 100% true. That is 100%. Look, and we can go off on a whole uh, rabbit hole with kids and raising and all that, but telling my girls, look, you can you can make a mistake. The mistakes is, are not what cost you. It's repeating those same mistakes over and over. And so just uh, keep that in mind. <clears throat> so some of the products that we would uh, consider releasing less than 100%, less than, quote, perfect, would be digital products, right? Like a blog post, a podcast, um, a website. Any uh, uh, social media post, those things, almost every one of those can be edited. Well, for that, let's normalize that. Marketing, advertising. If you're in a local market, if you're not going national, um, you know, sometimes dropping an Easter egg in an advertising campaign will get you more customers. Define Easter egg. So you put a mistake in your ad, and then you put a note on your website for every mistake you catch and post and share on our Facebook page, we'll send you that proverbial Starbucks gift card, if you will. Yeah, that's that, and that keeps the engagement up. Uh, it also keeps people um, looking and uh, a little bit harder, right? It makes them read your content more. Yeah. Also gives you a measuring system for your content developers. That's very true. And you want to make those little Easter eggs uh, more than a, you know, a, a, a stick of gum. Yeah, they need to be something of value. Sure. Sure. So the digital products that can can be uh, you know released to the public to the masses at under 100 percent, and there are going to be some that you don't want to do that to, and that would be like a uh, a physical product, something that's selling retail uh, in mass. If you're creating a product that's going to yeah, be mass produced, you, you maybe don't want to release that forklift at the 70 percent level. No, uh, or an airplane, or an airplane. Although yeah, I, that's another. I understand that uh, there's Boeing a, is Boeing kind of did crack. Did some, yes, you know. exactly. We could go on for that. Uh, we probably won't get a sponsorship now. <laughs> I didn't say their name. You did. Um, other things would be services. You don't want to probably offer a service that's you know, uh, for lack of a better uh, term, half-ass, uh, or you're probably not going to get that uh, customer back. So what is the downside of putting out a 70% product? As long as it's not going to hurt somebody, I don't see that there is a harm. I think if the product is um, neutral in health, neutral in safety, uh, I, I think it only benefits the company because they get real-time customer data. By the way, <coughs> I don't think that I'm saying or we're saying 70% and you stick with it, uh, you, you release it, you put it out there 70%. And as you uh, will get comments, you tweak that or you, you know, you, you make it closer to that 100%. Continuous improvement. That's right. And so, and to use your uh, example of not getting any eyeballs, if you just do not 
release that content or post it or or go live with something you're not getting the eyeballs at all at least you're getting eyeballs as you're at that 70 percent and i'm using 70 percent in a very loose term but you work towards the 100 percent well you know i think the number 70 percent it's it i lean more towards the marketing side uh we shouldn't release substandard products or services get to the point where it's safe and and uh consumable but for those businesses who would otherwise be paralyzed and not go live, period, because their marketing isn't 100%, that color isn't the perfect blue, that font isn't the right shade or shape, get past that. Get to the point of the 70% acceptance. Get it live and get the real-time feedback. So um, you might get actually two quotes from me today because... A quote came to mind from Mary Poppins, and I think it's an actual uh, proverb from age-old proverb, but well begun is half done. And that really actually works real well with what we're talking about, is uh, Mary Poppins explained, once you start something really well, go ahead and finish it. I think, honestly, that's kind of what we're talking about. You got something that started well, go ahead and get it out there, and then finish it up uh, to make it closer to that 100%. And quote number two. A business that makes nothing but money is a poor business. Henry Ford. Very well done. Great podcast. Everybody go out and enjoy the business day. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for listening to today's Business Buffet podcast. If you came in hungry for some business nuggets, we hope we left you satisfied. Pardon me. We invite you to visit our website, businessbuffet.page. Until next time, we hope you eat hearty in business.